This is WexCast, the podcast of the Wexner Center for the Arts at The Ohio State University. I'm Melissa Starker, PR and Content Manager for the Wex. Our film video studio recently had a visit from Brazilian artist Barbara Wagner and Benjamin de Berka, an Irish-born artist working in Germany. Barbara comes from a documentary background, and Benji's focused on visual art and collage in his solo practice. But together, the collaborators have built a small body of video work with a growing international following. Jennifer Lang, director of our film video studio, became acquainted with the artists and their work while attending the Sao Paulo Biennale. From that introduction came this month's presentation of their 2017 film, Terremoto Santo, or Holy Tremor, in our video exhibition space, The Box. The music you heard earlier is from that work. They were also invited to a residency in the studio to complete the duo's latest film, Rise. It will make its premiere at Front Triennial, the new international art event happening now in Cleveland. For this WexCast, Barbara and Benji spoke with Jennifer on July 9th as their residency here was coming to a close. Their discussion covers their shared history, the use of music in their films, the young evangelical Christians from Northeast Brazil who they collaborated with for Terremoto Santo, and the Toronto suburb that's the focus of their new film for Front. Here's Jennifer to get it started. Thank you both for taking the time away from a, a hectic final day of post-production on your newest film um, to sit down and talk with us today. Your collaboration is still relatively new together. You both have individual practices. In your first film, Faz Vai, you finished in 2015, right? And yet you've been very sort of productive and prolific since that film, making one, two, three, this is now your fifth film together. Um, can you talk a little bit about your individual backgrounds and how you came to collaborate and specifically through the medium of video? Barbara? Yeah, I, I studied journalism and I started working with photography in a newspaper. So my practice is very much fundamented on documentary portraiture in the city of Recife where I, I live for the last 20 years. And somehow, uh, what happened, I thought, I think today, is that I was not so comfortable working with the idea of the truth or the reality that was portrayed. I knew there was a construction there, and then I was getting more and more interested in the performance that people really do for the camera, even when they are like um, representing themselves. So this hybrid um, image that is the documentary performed by people who have their own subjectivity and especially the, the topics that I was interested in in Recife in the beginning of 2000 that was very much con connected to how people, especially people from the lower classes, they are people of color, very misrepresented somehow, either as marginalized people or celebrated when it's, um, when we talk about their, their um, traditions performed during carnival. So why is that like Brazilian, why is Brazilian people or the majority of the Brazilian people who are actually this lower middle class people of color with a very strong African ancestry uh, completely misrepresented? And this is our history, our colonial history. As a person working in the media, I was just trying to, to get deeper into the construction of this image and that's when I started to think I would maybe study art somewhere else. I went to, to 
Holland in 2009. And in between Holland and Germany, I ended up living in Berlin and commuting to the Dutch Art Institute where I studied for two years between 2009 and 2011. That's when I met Benjamin. And after that, that we, can, we can talk about it, like mm-hmm. how slowly and organically our practices started to, to get together. But that was, we met in 2010, first time. At that point when you went to school, had, had you already done that series of photographs? Of? I, had, I had done just that series that's okay. called Brasilia Teimosa. Mm-hmm. That for me was something I didn't know where to put. It wasn't journalism and it wasn't really anything that people in my hometown would consider to be naturally in the arts, because photography is still something that is always a problem, like even in the MASP uh, collection in Sao Paulo, where that series is now. Mm -hmm. um, It was never combined with the painting. So the photographic uh, collection of MASP was somewhere else until 2015, when Lila Schwarz and, and Adriano Pedrosa assumed the direction and the curatorship of a, one exhibition and then they put together a Renoir with one portrait of Brasilia Teimosa and right. then it's like everybody's looking at that series as something really um, artistic but it's like yeah that was just a documentation mm-hmm. of a reality in 2005 and I, at that point I didn't really know if I would really face a, a, a career as an artist because it's so precarious and so difficult I, was, I, I just really wanted to be in, in, as a journalist. I wanted to keep working as a documentarist. But still, that was it. I think I was trying to, to find um, a family of artists and thinkers that would understand a social practice as an artistic practice. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found in the Dutch Art Institute, where I had Phil Collins and Hito Style as my tutors. That was really, really comfortable somehow to understand that I could still be a journalist as an artist Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be impossible there are compatibilities in like making art and like talking about realities and Benjamin um yeah I suppose my career is a lot more speckled in in that sense because I started painting in I went to school of art in Glasgow and did painting and then stayed and worked in the community community art for many years um, so I had, you know, there was a certain interest in social dynamics as well and uh, daily struggles and so on with various age groups and backgrounds. And then I went and did my master's, which wasn't so disciplined. And at this point, I'd already left painting. I'd stopped painting. I didn't, didn't really, uh, it, I didn't find it was my medium. Uh, though I still use paint. I was just starting to understand that it was too slow for me. I'm not a painter, I don't like canvas. I started to work more with collage and um, always maintained a kind of interest in photography as well. So they were always operating at the same time in different ways. Um, but essentially collage is what opened me up to where I feel most comfortable with is is uh, in terms of in the concept of collage is something that can apply to anything, you know, whether you're working with sound or film or, or painting or in any art form. So um, I didn't feel that I, I was liberated from the material uh, aspect of art making, and and it got more into the engagement of, of the, the social contract and social engagement that's involved through making art with other people, and especially with Barbara because it was already attached to the a social dynamic. 
And yeah, so that's that's it. It was sometimes working for artists as assistants or working as a curator in a gallery for two years, artist run gallery, working in the community, working as a painter in a studio, as a photographer, all of those things don't lead to a simple answer um, until more recently that the way we work seems to be the clearest kind of path of, of interest because it involves all of these things at the mm-hmm. same time but it's, it comes to um, a unified form and and working with Barbara is even more interesting in a way in a dynamic because all of the other things require your own control over your own output but when you work with someone else you you can't really control what that final thing is so it's fresh it's fresh for me it's, it's fresh for Barbara it takes on another aspect which is stepping into a void and you know taking a risk and not knowing where it's going to land or if it's going to work or fail and this is much more exciting and much closer to the heart of what making art is I think and you come together through this very specific form of cinema film how and neither had either of you ever made videos before a little I dabbled we both did I mean actually the first kind of collaborative work was when I was helping you with a video essay it was photographic and but it was a video essay it was, and it was my final presentation at the master degree in Holland yeah at the time me and Beji had met through Phil Collins who was my tutor and a very good friend of Beji so that's how we met we first got to be very close like very very good friends and then very close friends we lived together um, as roommates and then we got to to really be uh best friends really and then maybe we thought at the time like we fell in love and then we got together we married and we spent a couple of years like as a couple not really thinking we would um, come to the point of collaborating we were supporting each other's practices yeah, very different kind of practices yeah because Benji was always trying to find this like um, studio uh, place like we were I remember 2012 we were living in Neuko, in, in uh, Kreuzberg. We had moved from Neukölln to Kreuzberg, and it was so expensive to have a studio. And then we were like, okay, let's make one part of the living room as your studio. And I wasn't in, like necessarily interested in working at home. I was pushing myself to get to know the city better, to learn German, to face um, I don't know the world of the like common life around me. And it was super tough because of the language. And Benji trying to separate a little bit like his work as um, as an artist and then as an artist assistant, we were both at the time assisting, was assisting Wendelin van Oldenborg, mm. he was assisting various uh, Michael, uh, Michael Michael Beutler. Beutler and others, but yeah, or working in galleries, technician installation, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. Et but that was it, no, we were like trying John to help Bock. each other. You were trying to make me feel comfortable and going out with a camera in, in Berlin, and I wasn't, and you were trying to like have time and concentration in the house to like do your collage and nothing was going on like pretty well and then we we went to Brazil end of 2012 for a little time like maybe three months of a holiday and then it turned that we wrote a project for Funati at the time a foundation that uh, a fund that that is devoted a national fund devoted to the arts in general and I had just written a proposal that if I would get uh, uh, some fund, I would develop another series of photographs that would be somehow looking at the same problem of Brazilian Teimosa, like how a certain form of um, um, 
civility was happening after Lula was in power. In 2003, Lula assumed power as president. Lula, the, the Labour Party president between 2003 and 2010, he had really changed the, 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 the landscape of Recife and then the whole country after a couple of years, but more people had more access to uh, very basic um, forms of consuming mm -hmm. uh, and, and that for the more we can criticize, it's still like taking people from a certain line of misery and getting them to have a more decent life so people would have a house, maybe a car, maybe a telephone, a computer, maybe a camera and the whole, a whole culture a whole generation started to be able to be, become artists because they were accessing technology. And, and that was happening in Brasilia Temos in 2005. In 2012, it became really clear with the Brega industry that as a result, a very fast kind of result, after 10 years, we were seeing like a, a completely different form of culture in the suburbs that was actually becoming mainstream in cities like Recife. And that's yeah, through, through social media and technology, there was a lot more visibility that, mm -hmm. in terms of the culture that was going on. So then you'd make your first film together, Faz Kevai. Yeah, we, we which, wrote this project in 2012, and then we got the fund, and that was a fund for a series of photographs. So we started to go out in Recife to document the Brega dancers, mm -hmm. and then we were... Uh, somehow sharing that's how it started we were sharing our time together we didn't have much money and I needed maybe to hire someone to help me with the flashlight and then instead of getting this money and hiring someone else Benji was like okay I help you with the flash and then during, that was during the night when we were going to the nightclubs to look at the Brega scene Brega as um, uh, music just for the for the people who are listening to to the podcast Brega is a music industry in Recife and it's connected to bad taste. And then it, it was somehow, it became like a very uh, interesting subject for us because it was all we somehow were interested in. What is tradition? What is considered to be high culture in opposition to some very popular folklore? So we, we looked at Brega for the series of photographs, but then Benjamin was very curious about Brazilian architecture and social relations mm -hmm. and the whole hangover we have from the, 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 the colonial uh, times. So Recife is still a city that has a very clear line between the rich and the poor. So on the side, we did another project that was Edificio Recife that became mm -hmm. a book last mm -hmm. year that was Benji's interest in the sculptures that are uh, mandatorily installed at the facade of residential buildings in noble areas of the city. So Benji wanted to document these sculptures and I helped him getting access to the buildings through asking the porters to open the, the fence, the gate. Mm -hmm. So I was helping him and he was helping me and after a while we, we thought uh, we can maybe stay in Brazil for longer Maybe it's easier for us to help each other in Recife than to try and become like independent artists in a city like yeah, Berlin. We were we were also like living out of a suitcase and you know with very little money and twenty four hours in each other's company. So it just happens naturally that we start. The, all our 
are assisting each other becomes well we're making this work together together. yeah but um yeah and with with the photography i mean it's barbara's work obviously i'm totally assisting with the flash but then the interest is is gathered and then over um two to three years it becomes you know in that moment it kind of became clear that it deserved more treatment it deserved to be looked at better and photography can talk so much but mm-hmm. we needed to think rethink about how to represent this culture or, or go there not represent but go there and get deeper and mm-hmm. in, in the relationships um so we actually the first film work we made was cinema casino which was before Faiskivai. And yeah. that, that was our own I haven't seen that. production on the yeah. Island That's of Reunion. an art installation than a, it's a, a it's film. It's a two-screen, uh-huh. synchronized But it was two-screen. in 2013, we, just after working with Edificio Recife, aimed um, this series of photographs we called Jogo de Classe, that means like class... Games. Play or games? Games. A game, game. Of, game of class. Yeah, these, these, and then a residency we spent together, uh, we went together to in the end of 2013, in La Union, that's a department of France, overseas, it's like in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. I don't and know, in, the, in the Indian, Indian Ocean. Ocean. <laughs> in the Indian Ocean, there is this mini island just on the, just by Mauritius. And um, La Union is France, even though it's like just by Madagascar. Hmm. It's a beautiful place. It's and quite, it's, uh, quite European and, it's, and the colonial architecture, French style. In the small towns, and uh, it's where um, we can see many many theoreticians talk about the culture of uh, creolité. Mm-hmm. It's like the combination of um, first Europeans with African slaves, and then Indian and and indentured workers, and then later Chinese. The whole mix like made Malgash, a culture. Yeah. Uh, Malgash, that's mm-hmm. like from Madagascar, made and this various culture different that's African called the Creole uh, uh, language and then culture of that island. And I think there's a whole other movement also in literature that discusses creolité and negritude. Then we mm-hmm. have the poets of mm-hmm. the Caribbean. But the the whole uh, thing that was interesting for us in that residency was to that connected to Faskivai is how traditions are uh, experienced by generations today. So what we saw in La Réunion was a whole generation of young dancers that were performing both Maloya, that's like a frevo, mm-hmm. some dance that has to do with resistance from the slave, uh, slavery in the island. Sega. Sega and, and, and Maloya. Sega Which is more is like Sega, Sega is like Brega. So, <laughs> okay. when we w- so when we went to study to make a work there, we were doing it really much to reflect on the similar situation in Brazil with with sort of Maloya is very like uh, Ache and yeah it's very similar in yeah. a way but completely different because it's an entirely different culture right and the interesting thing about Reunion is that as an island it wasn't inhabited before so it only became inhabited so Under, there, yeah. as a as a result it is a good example of of Creolite because it's entirely mixed it's French you know right. all tones and forms and shapes and sizes you know when you see the school kids, it's like it's hilarious because it's a complete spectrum. It's it's quite beautiful. Um, so, it, so in your works, music is a theme, overwhelming theme, and becomes this window or this 
this window into a culture or a subculture or a lens through which to to understand um, a, a community that maybe sometimes is often on the margins. Um, and that can be could be the German Schlager music, as in Bye Bye Deutschland. It could be Brega, Frevo, uh, or as in the piece that's currently in the box on view. Um, I wouldn't call it gospel music, but evangelical pop music in Brazil, which you know I think Americans understand because we have Christian rock as a sure. as a whole industry. You know, not just yeah. a, a a movement, but really an industry and. I think um, it's interesting if you look at the history, or if you could talk a little bit about the history of the area where you shot and how that kind of informed the, um, that industry that, that really flourishes, particularly in the Northeast. So the Northeast of Brazil, for viewers who don't know, is really sort of the cradle of, um, it was the entry point for millions and millions of slaves it was the heart of the slave trade. It was the heart of the um, sugarcane industry. And where you shot, which is just a bit outside of Hecifi, um, in a rural area, is there? there's this, it's kind of crazy, booming, evangelical music industry. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about how you identified it and how you were thinking about that piece as you... Um, as you started making contacts there? Yeah, I think um, maybe it was from Cinema Casino that we understood that it was very rich to observe bodies in movement and then how music was very um, political. Like, it, it, talks, it talks about economy. When you look at someone entering a scene and then performing, everything that maybe you need to know about the history of a place could be in that portrait. It's something that... We, we got to develop a little bit over the last years, but there, in 2013, it started. And then what happened is that we, we did the Frevo piece in 2015, followed by the Brega one. And around that time, we were already going to some uh, churches, evangelical churches, because the Brega singers were people who uh. would live in between this. Right different beliefs. It's like you, you are um, living in a big city like Recife that you can't really tell where a favela is because the whole city is like completely permeated. You, you say that in English? Yeah, yeah. By um, the people, workers that are like living in the city center. So people who are sometimes working as security guards or um, um, the professions that they have like they work in civil construction and then when they have like some free time they do go to a recording studio and they record the Brega song it happens here as we're going to tell later in the hip hop industry as well but that's it workers that are transiting this life into like becoming artists happen in the Brega as much as happening in the in the other um, uh, industry that's a gospel in Brazil we would say gospel yeah we just knew understood there in 2015 it was the same people so the difference that people make might make between something that might be subversive in the brega that would sound more conservative in the evangelic 
film or uh, music uh, is actually for us who experience uh, research with many of the, the participants of these industries. They are the, the, the difference or the limits between these industries is like very fine. Yeah. Like People could be brega singers yeah. and, and, and be, the of course, right, or their entire families can be, you know, evangelic. And some, but, like, for example, the, with Estaizman Nkois, is the more accented parts of the soundtrack where, via the music producer who was producing music for the film, and Barbara and I picked up on it and really enjoyed it, and it turned out to be um, from a guy called Carlinhos who doesn't get involved in the Brega scene, but he produces the synthesizer music and Mm -hmm. sends it, but he doesn't go there anymore because he's evangelic. So when it came to making the Tehemoto Santo, we got in touch with him and he made the entire soundtrack and of course he loved it and it was his it's his expression it's his yeah. way of Carlos, Carlos Sa, he's a, a very great artist you know? he's a fantastic artist so he started uh, as um, I think he was playing keyboard for the biggest brega band in his yeah. in the uh, second decade of 2000 so 2010 11 he was there and then when we when we started to work with brega in 2015 for the film he had he actually, we never met him, but he, his work arrived to us through a producer that hires him to, mm-hmm. to do just a keyboard. So his name is Tiquinho. Tiquinho is a specialist in making Brega Romantico. That's like the romantic. romantic. Right. So it's about love and betrayal, and it's like the, there's a lot of guitar yeah. and bass and then keyboards. So, like people outside of Brazil understand bossa nova to be the music of Brazil, exactly. But, but the it's music not. is brega. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you go there, it's MPB, like musica popular, yeah, which is very brega, you know, totally. And brega means like even Caetano Veloso recorded a couple of bregas, kind of means trash, really, but I didn't know, right? Trash, yeah, you know, it kind of means people crap, really see crappy. like the value of the you know, the lyricism of yeah. and all the love and then passion that are in the lyrics yeah. it's like samba but then very popular and very contemporary right yeah and then so that's we, maybe why people have a lot of prejudice no it is a class thing it is for sure and then with the with the visibility and the technology um being become more accessible brega morphed and became this brega funk which was influenced a bit by what was happening in with funk mm-hmm. not in sao paulo and and rio rio de janeiro um but also with an eye on production in the United States, pop music, hip mm-hmm. hop, and stuff. Yeah. So they they kind of freely adapt different elements and throw it in there, and then make this mix, which is brega. It's very Brazilian, and it's and it's very much about money, consumerism, girls, right? You know, whiskey, stuff, that kind of cars, right? Stuff like that, boats. But there are two sides yeah, of whatever. the industry. One There's was more sides. concentrated on like the love and. Then like more traditional love story and then the other one that's the brega ostentação is the ostentation like yeah. uh-huh. so consuming and having stuff and then Tiquinho was producing all the side of the romantic, romantic. brega for the film and Danny Ballard the, the, the producer for brega funk the ostentation side but then Tiquinho just presented to us this like keyboard that was being made by Carlos Sá who we didn't know at the time was this a musician working for the, the Musa do Calypso, the band that was very famous in Recife, but then he became evangelic. And, and then he it. left and right. he started to work just for the Assemblea de Deus Church, 
We didn't know that. So two years after, we were finishing Terremoto, and we were like, let's get in touch with Carrinhos, who had made... Not finishing Terremoto, starting. I was actually the beginning, Start, because yeah. that time, before even fi shooting... Finishing Bye Bye Dosso. We had... It was the beginning of 2017, yeah. before shooting Terremoto. We finally showed Estás and the Coisas, the Brega film, to Carlinhos. And then he saw, he listened to his own soundtrack there, and because he didn't know by then, he had just been hired. He doesn't want to be that involved with Brega anymore, because Brega is something of the world, mm -hmm. and he's doing his work for God. So what happened was that he loved the film. He felt people were being um, represented in a very dignified way. So he understood he could trust us. He started to develop... Um, a little bit of a, an idea, concept for what Terremoto Santo would be. And the interesting thing is actually Terremoto is a film that um, departs from a label that is called Gravadura Mata Sul, that I think is one or one and a half year old only, mm -hmm. just started to, to put together the new talent of... Only of gospel. Yeah. Whereas other, there's other recording studios will also do gospel, including Danny Bala who does Bregafon. Sometimes he'll get a you know an evangelic person coming in and he'll make music for them. So but it's, this is exclusively. But this is exclusively. Right. It's like almost like a, like a, private gallery that represents you know a folder of artists. Yeah. It's an, and it's kind of and yeah. It's so very we beautiful way. I mean, we arrived. We arrived at the at this label through. Um, company, a production company that shoots Brega music videos. So just for you to see, the connection is real. Uh -huh. we, we didn't, we wouldn't, this is something that is very clear in our practice today, we cannot uh, anticipate scenarios. It's really coming from the biography of the people we are interested in. So it's like after the Brega film, there was Carlinhos there, already a, the, the soundtrack producer was a person in between the two, two worlds. But then all the people that make the music videos for the Brega industry were also already making videos for gospel singers. We were feeling the economy was changing. That was 2016 to 17. And then one of them, one of the music video producers said, there is a very interesting um, label that is now releasing stars and it's in Palmares. That's two and a half hours from Recife. Mm -hmm. So we could just like access them on YouTube. They were there, like photographs of the faces, the name of the track or the album, but there were no music videos yet. So it's like starting from scratch, like mm -hmm. getting the talents from the churches to record their first um, compositions. So we visited them, that was January 2017, and then we, we actually didn't even have to do a casting because the 12 people that were like coming to record are the same people who were in most of them I mean maybe seven or eight are involved from the, the gravador and then some other people we met through these connections around uh, Palmares city of Palmares yeah so for example um, Philippe the boy in mm -hmm. the water he's, he's not a recording artist but when we went to visit Anna Clea who is one of the recording artists in the studio mm -hmm. has her own radio program the first person we meet when we go there is Filippi, you know, who's like preaching, praying. preaching basically on the radio, praying, oh. preaching, I guess. Um, 
So, I mean, this dynamic was already established really interesting. There's a whole kind of uh, extension up yeah. through through the radio, which in, in inspired or gave us a lot of interest in developing these scenes in this way that we can connect seemingly disparate people together, together. via this kind of mode of tr- transmission of communication. I think in this work, more than any other work, this play between artifice and reality is is really strong. And it's interesting that it's happening with a, a, a subject that's, we've talked about this before, it's a, it's, like, it's a difficult subject because that artifice and reality allows a viewer to struggle with a desire to um, kind of disconnect and judge or be drawn in and feel more of an empathy. And I, so I guess I'm curious just to... Um, to understand more about the, those decisions to um, to build up this sense of like really cinematic, you know, it's there are times when you watch when you watch Terremoto, it's you know, are these they feel like music videos in a way, um, and at the same time, it's you know, the songs are uh, we read the lyrics and you understand that it's you know, it's not exactly what you expect, and and it's this. Uh, uh, struggle, I think, for the viewer or challenge. Like, am I, am I judging this and being critical, or am I understanding and being empathic? Hmm. It's uh, it difficult to arrive at this place in the editing of the film, but it was also a little bit inspired by uh, phrases that came quite often from from the evangelic people and in the group like Anna Clea has a group on WhatsApp and so on and so forth um, where people would say like question or adore and of course people would answer I prefer to adore I adore but when we came to editing mm-hmm. we thought of questioning or adoring mm-hmm. you know totally and but it we, was even before it was I mean this is we were very careful to understand this dynamic that we're not in a position to um I think a lot of cinema already presents a question before the film even begins or or has the answer already and in a way it's, it's cinema is a really interesting space to create this vacuum for people to go in and then have to figure out themselves how they want to judge or be um to to have this friction mm-hmm. about whether they have the right to judge or whether they whether they can allow themselves to go into and be involved in something and that I mean that friction is kind of but if you think this was already present in the in the problems we address on Cinema Casino Fasquivai because in Fasquivai what is the problem there you are you are expecting a body to perform a traditional flavor but then they dance Vogue yeah and it's like but what is the difference between the problem of tradition and the flavor and a religious belief. So I think we it's the subject exactly. because it's it's so it has such a history and also just such a in contemporary culture in the United States as much as in Brazil. The evangelical music, um, not music, evangelical movement is on the rise. Yeah, and yeah. it's and traditionally associated with really conservative social views. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's my 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 instinct is to be very critical of it. Totally, everybody, almost and everyone, automatically, right. you know. And then there was a everybody other f- in the art world, and yeah, for and sure, in the cinema world. So yeah. a kind of middle class intelligentsia in in Brazil yeah. would find it horrifying that we mm. get together with young evangelicals and make a series of music videos together with them. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. But then we did that 
somehow, and I had to answer this question before in Brazil, like, what was the difference between working with the Brega people, Brega singers, and the evangelic singers? None. Well, you're saying they're one and the same in many exactly. cases. So, it's so when a, we had to answer yeah. that, we had to say to people, like, the reality is much more complex than yeah. we could picture. If we hadn't got so close to the Brega people to know that they could also have a, an evangelic belief as being Brega performers, we would never really arrive with um, this already somehow like uh, open to mm-hmm. um, meet people who would be also very curious and open to work with us. Mm-hmm. So I think we had to first adore that ourselves. It was a whole uh, process for ourselves to, after going to different churches, seeing different forms of liturgy, understanding also that not every evangelic church is the same or that music mm-hmm. and singing is very different from one to another. So the Assemblea de Deus is in that area of, of Pernambuco, which is historically um, marked by the economy of sugarcane and the Casa Grandes and the Senzalas. So the cat, you, you could see in Brazilian sociology and, and history what a Casa Grande is like is, there, is the house of the landlord that the one that has the plantation in the Senzala is where the slaves are so what happens today in the in the countryside of that area we still see the Casa Grandes mm-hmm. the Senzalas don't exist anymore there are mini houses like around the, the Casa Grande the plantation and then whatever was the Catholic church the small Catholic church in the villa is now an Assemblea de Deus yeah and they go there and they pray to this God that is now more than in any other moment in Brazilian history connected to um, a well-being. So it's like the more I organize my life, the more I save my money to give to the church, the more I um, ascend socially. And this is happening as much as the breger is also a reflection of a, a growth somehow. Mm-hmm of uh, equality of life, the evangelic church, in a very contradictory way, is also showing that the majority of Brazilians who are connected to the history of slavery somehow and, and want to break that history, they don't want to be identified anymore as someone that has to be subjected to the power of the op- white oppressor. So they want to have the right to a better life and to be the owners of their own small business, mm-hmm. to have a car, to have a family, to have the kids, to have... To be respected as well, wear a shirt and tie, carry a Bible, you know, not to the be f- it's the full... Not the malandro anymore, not the, the picture of the, the, you know, the black guy in the favela that is like, uh, without the shirt, like doing the samba, it's like, no, I, I look just like the, mm-hmm. the businessman yeah. in your newspaper. Right. So I think this image is very aggressive to the liberal left that makes art and maybe we could identify with them too in many ways, but then isn't it a contribution that we could give as researchers in the art and audiovisual to really come closer to the people, to, to, to people, to various forms of uh, communities and understand like how complex things are and then say, well, yeah, maybe what we are picturing as a very conservative scenario is much closer to, is, is much more connected to our own alienation of reality mm-hmm. because the more we avoid getting closer to these conservative people, the more we are actually picturing them as something that's not 
real because these people are the maids, the drivers, right. the taxi drivers, the security guards. So it's like the city is actually populated by these conservative people. Right. And there's a little island of the people, liberals, that are thinking that, you know, we, yeah. we have to actually, in cinema and in the arts, give voice to a more revolutionary form of, uh, of um, ideology. But then what is happening is that the church is arriving where the left is not going. Or yeah, where where mm-hmm. where politics and um, social infrastructure, oh, I don't know, right. are not reaching there. So you know, that's the last image of the film is is a church in construction. Yeah, it's being constructed because it doesn't fit the smaller church where we shot the other scenes. Doesn't fit the whole congregation anymore. So if anyone wants to take Growing. a message from the film right. that okay, it's already known, but there it is. That's what it looks like, and. I mean, aside from that, it's it's really like a portrait. It's kind of a portrait of faith as well, you know? It's mm-hmm. a people's faith. They have a right to that faith, and I think it's very authentic. And I think the film captures sure. that mm-hmm. authenticity. So, you know, maybe someone can sit in the cinema and be very jaded about what they're looking at, but they can't deny that that's a, an authentic right. moment of someone's faith captured on film, which is... That's maybe where, where also the friction comes from. People want to go like, ah. Well, and, and, and it, I think some people wanted, wanted, we talked about this before, you know, wanted to see like a position in the film. Mm. And as you said, sometimes not taking a position is a position. I mean, that's the choice. It's not uh, one side or the other. It's really mm-hmm. like, this is it. But going back to sort of the idea of social practice and art making, I mean, the process of making that film, just to be clear, like what, what we're seeing, those, those scenarios, are, were, were not devised by you, not saying, you, here's a song I want you to sing, and I want it to be in this location. It's, it's really in collaboration and conversation with the people you're working with. It's, yeah, it's funny you should say, because there's a song that's in... Um, at the beginning in the radio station there's mm-hmm. a song that a girl sings and then a while later I was on Facebook and Anna Clea who's the radio presenter mm-hmm. she sometimes posts her radio presentations live and there was another woman from the community that was beside her singing that very song on the radio so also um, the guy at the end there was a film of him later in his church singing that same song and then I think we, it is what it's what happens right. you know we're not we certainly not take saying we have this song we want you to sing it here. Yeah, it's like it's their representation. It's, of it's already their music. Right. You know, they actually all own their songs, except for no, they don't all own their songs. There's a few that don't, but it's their favorite song, which we encounter the initially and go, wow, look this young man like um, Joe Allison. There is two thousand young people in a church assembly of the Deus in, near Palmares, and he was one of the lead singers. They were both behind us, actually, by accident, by pure chance. We where we went into the church, they were behind us, and um, it was quite incredible when there's two thousand young people singing together in the church. But Joe Allison was he had a great, great voice, and in fact, his relationship with the the recording studio came through the film. You know, so he was outside of the recording uh, studio thing, and as it, a result of the. Mm. Collaboration now like is maybe maybe, uh-huh. but I'm not sure. It's he knows them now. They all know each other, and they know he's a good singer. But I don't know right. if he's 
work this career. It's interesting because I could, I don't know, just go back to the idea of how we work together. I think there, it's very much like intuition, some form of experience that we have in our bodies. Like I, I am very interested in the um, forms of performance that that um, the artists have, like all of them. That sometimes dancers, sometimes um, singers, or in this ca- in this case. Um, young uh, believers, levitas, they call themselves levitas, which they say levita means to, to serve God. It's not that they are artists. They don't like being called artists mm-hmm. because they're actually serving God. But I am very interested in how, how they perform in the sense of the performance being something that belongs to their body. So the way they look, the way they move, the songs they decide to sing and how they do for me is the... Mm-hmm. what I like working with. And Benji comes with this eye, of course, of someone that is not from Brazil, mm. that can remove himself already from judging if it's good or bad, but looking at the aesthetic quality of what they are producing and then think in a very uh, 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 interesting, in terms of um, hierarchy, it's like completely leveled. It's like, why not make the camera shake? when it's an right. earthquake. Why not uh, bring a, a costume designer to make the, the, the cape that he wears in Tunica? So there's a whole very beautiful uh, combination of trying to really bring this biographical and documentary aspect of what they do together with this drive on making the spectacle as it should be, mm-hmm. like working in collaboration with them to yeah. make something that neither them or we would be able to do alone. Mm-hmm. So maybe the music video feeling that we have in Terremoto, in opposition to the other works, exists because they didn't have music videos themselves. Mm-hmm. The Brega people do. So that's why we we wanted to dismantle, in the Brega film, we wanted to dismantle the idea of the change. So, Let's look at the verse first, like the rehearsal of the text, and then the dance, and then the music video. Right, but it's like a deconstruction, de- deconstruction of it. Mm-hmm. Like, or like the path of yeah, recording studio to getting ready to going to the stage. But the for the evangelical, it wouldn't make sense to be just looking at them, for example, singing in the church, or right. singing in the studio, or getting ready to... We didn't want, we wanted what they wanted. Right, that like a like, fantasy kind of, yeah. The music we did the best we could do, and then one thing that might answer a little bit about the artifice and the more realistic aspects of uh, what we see in Tahemoto have to do, it's beautiful to talk about it, but it has to do with uh, the making of films. So when we arrived in Palmares and we met them in the recording studio, then we got to visit them for a whole month every day and then seeing them in the church, in the house, with the family, and then the whole social life. But then all the churches, because they live in different cities and they, they are singers in different churches, all the churches had um, a very uh, cold uh, LED light, mm-hmm. and then there was more, we couldn't move the camera, and then the sound was difficult, and then the cinematographer and the, and the sound technicians were saying how hard it would be for us to create the fantasy inside the church. Sure. And then we were thinking together, like how to do that, what is then the solution? Because we did, didn't have money to have like loads of light to transform that entirely. And then Benji was also thinking, yeah, maybe with uh, props, maybe we can change the way the stage 
uh, altar is arranged, maybe the artifice of the flowers, we can exaggerate there. There were many possibilities up to the point that we thought, actually, if we look at the lyrics, they're all talking about God as a force of nature. And then we thought, like, we are in the countryside. We're looking at a phenomenon that's like in that area. It's different if you are in a very urban mm-hmm. place. Like Hisifi, the churches in Hisifi are by the, the, in the main roads, by the metro station. And then there, it's like in the plantation. So it's like, why not to really meet this force that is nature in these scenarios? We are at the same time talking about an economy, a place, a person or people. So we started to think with Pedro how to make the most of the natural scenario, like the waterfall, the house in construction, the church in construction, and then think of small elements that would be the artifice in the nature. So bringing the microphone, mm-hmm. the speaker, or the idea of church, the church as artifice, then in the natural space, was mm-hmm. part of our conceptual um, but also very much practical yeah. problems, and we well, had to make it simple. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was up also to now is the film that we used less money that we managed to not have to really get too much support. It was a combination of our own investment with some partners, but it was very much like thinking of how to to make the most of a situation that was given. Yeah, because also in the churches, I mean, a lot of the churches we visited, um, Barbara and I already earlier because there was many when we, when you were making the photographic series before we decided that again to make a film um, and there's a majority of them I would say are always with an image of nature to represent God so mm-hmm. there's always a, a big wall a vinyl a vinyl a waterfall waterfall yes, yes. Yeah. a waterfall or a nice mountainscape or something and I mean, Palmares is pretty spectacular. And it's quite dramatic, too, because there's a lot of sugar cane that's often being burned, so the hills are on fire, you know. There's a whole kind of a sort of religious undertone yeah. to the whole area. <laughs> and it's very, very, very... With small towns you pass through are, are very outrightly evangelic. Sometimes little houses with scripture written across, yeah. car stickers everywhere, always... It's all God, 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 you know, it's it's a... It's big on the agenda, and many yeah. small evangelic churches that are like they can they can be anywhere, you know. Yeah. Anyone, it's not like consecrated. It's not the Catholic Church, which is this huge industry. But, but it's and somehow I coming back to the idea of how far we engage, how far we criticize, where we, do we put ourselves, and if we found a place uh, in Terremoto where. We are, we are doing a film with them, but we're still looking at the phenomenon, mm-hmm. I, I want to believe. And this might happen when we are suggesting to shoot, not inside the church, but in the waterfall itself. Mm-hmm. And then this is a comment of like saying, maybe the artifice is the church itself. Mm-hmm. You know, the totally. non-natural mm-hmm. or non-native or non... You know, if you're talking about... Um, indigeneity so the the people from that area are um, most of the times uh, descendants of slaves that worked in those in those plantations Quilombo as well like Palmares is very famous and then to look at like people who are straightening their hair like getting to dress like very very formal 
at the same time that is a value because they are not they don't want to be connected to that history anymore just shows for the forms of violence that we, we might mm-hmm. understand in the whole idea of a neoliberal form of living in in post-colonial realities like the northeast of brazil where progress is so aggressive no it's like mm-hmm. we have to modernize everything and to be more than we also have to like uh, go to the church right Mm-hmm. No, and have like we we have to be in the future. What is the future? Is to get like to mm-hmm. to forget what we had up to now. So of course the bad side is understanding what is at stake. Um, we have Candomblé and Umbanda and the Afro-Brazilian religions being attacked by evangelical churches. It's very problematic. Yeah, and we are we know that the film might sound for people who are maybe watching that not really knowing the context of our own practice or what is to be evangelic in that area of the northeast of Brazil. But we, we know that the, the dif- difficult place we are putting ourselves, but that's exactly where we want to be because we know that cinema is already, has already uh, been portraying the evangelics as the enemies. And we believe that, you know, nothing really changes from this kind of uh, assumption, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. On the other hand, we have already so many interesting documentaries that talk about the violence of, of evangelical uh, religion in the Amazon, like mm-hmm. exterminating yeah, yeah, yeah. indigenous beliefs. So we have already a more militant cinema that is doing what we're trying to do with musicals mm-hmm. that are... As Alexis says, Alexis is our beautiful um, collaborator in the post-production of our new project here. Alexis McCrimmon, she she helped us say that what we do is actually non-fictive, performative, participatory art. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is a good good description of it. (laughs) So it's true. So if there was a question about our position or position we take is that the first and foremost position is to the people that we invite to collaborate and make the film with you know mm-hmm. so who the hell would we be to make a film that how do you call it that that like looks down at, at these wonderful people while they're performing while they're so generous right you know that goes across all of them. And it doesn't films. come from a place of understanding or even wanting to understand. It's, you know, you come in, I think that type of film comes in with preconceived notions, mm-hmm. whereas your uh, starting point is no preconceived notions or trying to um, consciously setting those aside. So yeah. I saw that film for the first time in Sao Paulo at the Instituto Maria Salas. Uh, and I met the two of you for the first time at, during that visit at Video Brazil, where um, Faz Kevai won one of the top prizes. Um, and at that point, I think I was literally saying, grabbing a coffee and heading to the airport, and we had five minutes together. And I said, oh, you guys should come to, you know, I, I really love your work, and, and I knew um, your photographic work um, and had seen... Um, Estas Vendo Coisas at the Biennale in the previous year. Uh, and you told me you were showing it front. Maybe you weren't even... Did you have the project at Toronto at that no. point? It didn't I exist no. at that stage. It didn't no. exist. So you said, I'm coming for... We're showing work at front. And I said, oh, maybe you should... It's only two and a half hours away. And that led to the reason why you're here 
And really one of the reasons we're showing Terremoto Santo this month is because you're here finishing post-production on a new piece that takes you out of Brazil and into a suburb. Maybe they don't like to call it a suburb of Toronto, but sort of a, a, a new extension of the Toronto metropolitan area. And that piece is Rise. And you're, you know, you're wrapping up post-production today. <laughs> You'll be premiering it. Tomorrow. On Thursday. <laughs> Tomorrow. Right. Um, we'll first give sort of a summary of the project, but um, maybe talk a little bit about the difference between working in Brazil, which you've done a number of projects in, and this new community in, in Toronto. Yeah, working in North America for the first time is already something really special. Uh, it was when we met there in Sao Paulo, I would never imagine that we would actually be developing the research and the production of RISE in Toronto and then post-producing, being able to actually come and work here. We were always curious to come to Vexner since your, since the program of Vexner in the recent years had been so close to what is going on in Brazilian cinema and art. So we, we have friends based in Recife who had been here. So we, we were curious. We knew that we were coming to Ohio and it's like great to be able to 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 be in touch and to understand what you do. The thing is that it, it happened. Who knows? I, I don't know if it's a coincidence. Just these beautiful things of uh, insisting on a practice and then most of the times we are just working because we like what our, we like working in the arts and the way we do and eventually the work becomes solid and eventually someone sees and it goes to a place of visibility. But the Bain of Sao Paulo was one of these places, and the Brega film got the attention of some people like Emily Shangu, who is the curator of the Art Gallery of York University in the, the outskirts of Toronto. She contacted us in the end of 2016 to say that she really got interested in what we do, and she wanted to invite us to come to Toronto one time, that we could do something in the future. That was 2016. 2017, she got in touch again and asked, do you have time to come to the city? And we couldn't at that point. We were going to Munster to do the film on Schlager. And then in the end of 2017, um, after we met in Video Brazil, she managed to, to arrange a one-month uh, visit. So we went to Toronto. We got to know her, her uh, institution, the, the gallery in the University of York is very special because it's far away from the from downtown Toronto and it, it is not connect, necessarily connected to the university or the arts department. It's really uh, beautifully, the program they made for the last 15 years is very much um, bringing contemporary art from anywhere else in the world to be shown in that place that is actually outside of Toronto for the community that is there. And this community is not uh, just anything. It is Jane and Finch, which was the first space area of the city to be populated with immigrants in the 80s and 90s that are from Caribbean origin. Or and earlier, it's like 60s, 70s, well, I think. From, but yeah. I mean, what yeah. we know is that there is a first generation of Canadian that emerges like from the, this area, Jane and Finch in the west, but also Scarborough mm -hmm. in the east. So in the north of the city, two hours away to the north, and then from the west to the east, there is a re there is a big area 
that is the suburb, which mm-hmm. is actually the new Toronto, that's populated by generation, a generation that is Canadian, but actually descends from the Caribbean and the West, sometimes East Coast of uh, Africa and the Middle East. That is a new, new uh, uh, it's the future of the city. It's probably going to be represented by this uh, generation. And we saw they were part of uh, MLE's program somehow as viewers, as people who would go to the workshops, but also as artists eventually mm-hmm. participating in other programs. So she got to bring us to one night where poets from Scarborough who meet every Monday in a community center and they, they call themselves uh, RISE, which stands for Reaching Intelligent Souls Everywhere. And we were going to this center where we, we, we could, we, until today we can have a hard time to define because it's a little bit of um, a ritual mm-hmm. because they get together every Monday. So develop a routine of mm-hmm. how they get to introduce themselves. What are the topics they discuss? How they go on like to really present, like how each of them presents what they want to say. It's a spoken word based uh, phenomenon. But it goes to therapy sometimes because they really yeah. talk about problems they face in the community. And actually performing is a form of solving that. Yeah, so sometimes it's really through spoken word or yeah, spoken word poetry, but then also goes to music too. And through, just through all this mediation and sometimes just dialoguing and discussing mm-hmm. as a group and mm-hmm. handing the microphone around and talking. This is a therapeutic moment. Or other times, everybody like singing and jumping together, and it's it's quite an amazing and complex dynamic. Yeah, of, of at that things. time it was December two thousand seventeen. We didn't know we would be making a new work on a uh, with unspoken words and with the rice participants. That came a little bit after when Emily said she would um, she would find it possible to save some um, of the budget of the year, of the GYU 2018, maybe around um, the spring season, to to commission a new piece. And then we had to think, like, do we want to go abroad, spend time, like, researching? Because documentary is something that you can't do with... Uh, Right, you don't just show up and start shooting. Exactly. We don't have a strategy that applies. So we know it could happen or not. But then Emeline also knew this could happen. And it's very rare to find people who partner with you knowing what the nature of the work is. It's like this participatory methodology needs people who are trusting us, that are receptive. So many people from this... um, uh, Caribbean and African origin would maybe think like I don't want you Brazilian Irish duo <laughs> to come here all the way to talk about my life and this is very interesting because they were actually very curious about why we would do that and how so the whole aspect of decontextualizing rise from the community center and into the underground that's a subway of, of, of the north uh, area of Toronto that was our strategy somehow as in Tehemoto Sant not shooting in the church when we go to the city of Toronto but at the same time we don't want to celebrate Toronto mm-hmm. we don't want to celebrate Toronto's diversity that's not the point it's much more that through looking, analyzing this phenomenon we might be 
talking about how diverse the city is and why and how, but it's, it goes beyond of our willingness to celebrate. And this is something that's really discussed with Emily, with the poets. So we said to them, we don't want to be in the community center. We also don't want to be shooting you, like doing the poetry in the city, like in the hip hop music videos do. Because we always see that the TV tower at the back, the condos, and then they have to say that they are rappers from the T dot. And mm. we were like, no T dot. No six. Yeah, we are talking about an American city, which is actually the title of front yeah. in the end. It's like we come from Recife to a city that is Toronto, and they are all speaking in English, and they're talking about this reality. When you look at their faces and their bodies, and their history is there, so we don't need to explain that. They just perform what they want, and then the scenario is this crazy um, uh, futuristic uh, train stations yeah. that were just inaugurated. It's a coincidence. It's mm -hmm. kind of, again, is it a coincidence? I don't know, but they're like spaces that are very futuristic, very architecturally instated, but very, very suburban. Mm -hmm. I, I like very far out. It's the end of the, the new line is the end. So it's like, and they're very large, but They're clearly planned for, for the future, the future right. you know, for 15, 20 years down the road. So using... Even, even though, I have to say, even though the periphery is waiting to be served with a subway system for a long time, mm. the thing yeah. is that it, more than thinking that it is a Toronto downtown that's reaching the periphery is actually like a comprehension that the city is actually there. That's where, right. the, that's where the cultural production is really going on. The city's really there and downtown is... I suppose a receptacle for it, you know. We actually <laughs> went downtown very few times, no? We lived in the in, the, in North York, close yeah. to Jane and Finch and Scarborough, and it was a very beautiful experience for us. Mm -hmm. We spent uh, the whole month of April and the whole month of May researching and, and discussing with them their own representation. What would be this film for us a big challenge to be working abroad and then for me to be working with spoken word in English? So not everything is clear. There's a lot of slang and there was a lot of um, different topics also. But, yeah. and, um, and a very different film from what we had produced before because um, a little bit like with in the Schlager film, although it's not on the film, it's not, very, it's not apparent to anyone. It was our conceptual way of doing things is looking at um, the cover, you know, mm -hmm. a cover singer. We also did, in, in one of the videos, we actually made a cover of a music video that was the original. So we were also getting into this whole thing of this reproduction right. of a message or a fantasy and what it means. Um, in this instance, we tried to look at Rise, which is an edutainment company. You know, uh, KRS came up with this idea, this phrase, which is both educational and entertaining. Yeah. Like hip-hop is. Most of the time, it's very socially powerful you know mm -hmm. it's got and Childish Gambino recently came out with a video which is like if people don't know how to read that in a very impacting manner then there's something wrong with them but mm -hmm. you know it's very meta and it's very talks about right now so uh, hip hop is no longer really can no longer be kind of just called a music genre it's not it's a philosophy it's a way of thinking about the world it's a way of rediscovering your own presence in the future in a way and redeveloping your own parameters around what who you are what you want mm -hmm. um, and this edutainment was also our principle to look at the educational 
they're entertaining and how to combine them, how to use it in the film, how to talk, how to use call and response. So there's a cipher. There's things that are all of the things that happen in Rise and the way Rise happens. We want to introduce and Rise is a very open dynamic. It's open doors, so anyone can go. So we also wanted to, as much as possible, include as much as we can in terms of sewing mm-hmm. some form of narrative. It doesn't. It's not narrative, uh, but like sewing it together in a way that is cinematic but then include a lot of people and mm-hmm. a lot of age groups and a lot of concerns and a lot of differences and a lot of elements. This time it was not about one or two or three characters or five characters telling their stories, but yeah. it was much more of like the experience of going to Rise and seeing like first a girl that is 14 years old and she is with her mother and she's talking about her own uh, voice as a young female black um, poet but that she didn't want to carry the weight of her history. She wanted to invent her own history. And then we would see that, and then later on, someone like Chantal singing a mm. lot, like a ballad, a love ballad. And then later, someone like Nathan talking about, um, with a very funny, entertaining rap, talking about finding his Nakia, because he would want to be her T'Challa, that's completely <laughs> referenced on, on Black Panther, the film. So. Which which just came out at the same time, so yeah. that's a like that's maybe it's it's a it's a moment in time, you know. The film can only really represent this in a snapshot, mm-hmm. a certain dynamic, certain dem- demographic in a certain place. But especially also like uh, the film is not about what they're saying, and it's not again about the quality of the poetry or the singing or the or the music style. It is. All together, like an analysis of the of the, this generation through all these movements, I believe. I want to believe. I hope it is. But uh, and through very different voices. I mean, the voices are sometimes in your head or in their heads. You mm-hmm. know, where it's like we have a window, an ear into their minds, or you know, sometimes it's a representation of them performing a music video. They're shooting a, a music video, uh, so it's a representation of a song. Or it's, you know, and there's also this, like, passing in space. I mean, that space is incredibly, it's it's almost uncanny in some shots. You don't, uh, you, you know, the space feels like outer space in, mm. in some way. It's so futuristic and so empty in these uh the combination of, of the different voices and the bodies moving through space and occasionally coming together and interacting and passing. I mean, it definitely, it has this, like it feels epic in a way, but also incredibly personal, deeply personal. You, you two are wrapping up post-production on Rise and you've been here as artist in residence in the film video studio for is it three full weeks and one day. Um, and it, it, was, uh, it was a tight post-production schedule but we made it to the finish line or we will make it to the finish line by five o'clock today um how has it been moving in the past you've edited with uh um eduardo serrano on all your video pieces is that true with uh, two of them two of them two of them okay we we have been working with the same cinematographer from the first work uh, fastivai through the Brega film and the oh. one in, in Germany and also Rise, they were shot by Pedro Sotero, mm-hmm. which is... Who's also the uh, cinematographer for Clubber Mendonca's Neighboring Sounds and Aquarius. And, Aquarius. and who also shot now the last film by Kleber who might be 
coming soon. Yes, yeah, yeah Clever's been here so, before. Yeah, Pedro is a collaborator. Like uh, somehow he's completely part of uh, what we what we have been doing, with the difference that he only arrives when we are in pre-production, so he gets to know very deeply our research and who we, uh, we want to, to work with. He's part of scripting together with the participants, his shots. He shoots with us, and then after that, me and Benji are the ones that are gonna go through the footage and then get together with people who are mainly from cinema mm -hmm. to help us editing image, sound, color correcting, making the whole piece like to come together as a as a a product that can be shown also in cinemas, not only in art galleries. And uh, what we have been facing, I think, is like this symptom of the, 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 the arts in Brazil is still so hard to, to, to be in this place, in this hybrid place mm -hmm. there, where you are an artist and researcher dealing with the social like, problems of your own uh, community or reality, and then you make a piece that needs to be addressed as cinema because you are like being super careful about how you shoot, what's the, how the sound should look like, and where this piece is going to be distributed, how people are going to perceive it as a work, and then um, somehow there's a big division between art and cinema mm -hmm. in most economies, but then in Brazil it is really like uh, real. We have just uh, now recently got to be part of Video Brasil, so we where we met you, and then. These forms of festivals uh, or, or windows in pro cinema festivals programs in Brazil where experimental documentary or artists who make films can be actually showing work is very rare and recent. I would say that it was a big privilege to be able to come to Columbus and work with X exactly like before we go to front. The connection between the reality we experienced in Toronto Plus, the, like being a part of the program that you're doing and understand, like through the work of the of the of Paul, the, the workers, Paul and Alexis, who were responsible for the sound and the color of Rise, uh, just show like it how uh, possible it is to transit, like how how uh, important it is to to really understand there is a, um, a very rich area for cinema that is like the experimental, the experimentalism that is brought by artists, but how artists like can have this level of, of um, precision and professionalism when they make films. So these we found here, and uh, I'm super grateful to have uh, had uh, the beautiful presence and humor of Alexis, like in uh, understanding what we did, and the work came to be very close to her own understanding also of identity, mm -hmm. politics, so how we were representing black people in, in those spaces and how we would deal with color and understanding voice and landscape. So Alexis was a, a very fundamental piece of the post-production and then Paul and just making these bodies um, move in the space, like separating what it is actually mm -hmm. uh, uh, important for us to listen to and look at. We are super happy. It's too close uh, to us now as, as a piece. We are very looking forward, very much looking forward to share this with the audience in front, international in Cleveland from Thursday on. So on Thursday the 12th, there will be our premiere. Um, 
at 2.30. We're going to be showing rice for the first time. It will be uh, shown in the Transformers station as part of the film program of the Triennial. And we don't have this information yet, but it's part of a program of films by artists that are going to be running, that will be, that will be running until the cy- September. In the cycle. Yeah. yeah, it's a schedule. There's, yeah. there's nine screenings there will be nine in total screenings. of our three films. Do you have any thoughts about Columbus? I was, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was great being here. It was, a, it was wonderful being here, not being in Toronto or in Brazil, but being in a place because neither Barbara or I are used, to, uh, we don't know America. I mean, not USA, outside of New York, I visit a few days. And um, yeah, it was really nice to, to be here. The weather sometimes is, it was described on TV, on TV that the weather would be oppressive. Um, but you're but from Recife. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there was a certain oppression, but I never felt it from anything other than the weather. Yeah. It was a pleasure to, <laughs> to work here, for sure. Well, let's, ma- let's make a- another project. <laughs> to have access to the facilities. I, think I have to say that um, me and Beijing had never had uh, so much. We, 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 never, we were never hosted by any institution with the possibility of really accessing the facilities at any time. So we really worked super hard, super hard, super hard on um, editing the film. It was maybe 10 days, like every day, coming here on weekends too, but having this possibility just uh, opened up so much that in, in nowhere else in the cinema like with the schedule of workers that have to maybe only do things in working hours and then being flexible and being able to experiment was so fundamental to this piece it would never come together if we were not here now and that's beautiful um, because we met in Brazil because you already knew about mm-hmm. Brazilian culture and production and specifically the Northeast and then our practice it's just a very beautiful um, uh, outcome that I think comes from like the work we do it's it's not a coincidence it's like where you're going in the program as a like a form of belief in the arts and, and in, in what cinema can do and I think in the end we are we are just very much looking forward to be more and more um, connected to people who do the same, no? It's like so good to have a family then in the world that's like believing in the same things. Thank you both again so much. It has been a pleasure really to work with you and uh, anytime the doors are open, I would love to work with you again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to WexCast. For more info about the Wexner Center and its programming, go to wexarts.org.